You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. It's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who. A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. We are back in this endless sea of no new Doctor Who. You know, it just seems like it goes on and on and on. We might as well take, you know, a nice, you know, eight-hour tour of the planet midnight with the 10th Doctor. It should be a lot of fun to talk all about this episode. And it's one I actually haven't seen since it first aired. So it's going to be interesting to talk to everybody about that. But we have got, of course, our regulars here. Let's, of course, welcome the lovely and talented Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It is great to be here. You're ready to see the Diamond Falls and the Ruby Mountains and everything from this wonderful episode. I'm ready to sit right back and hear a tale. Yeah. A tale I, of a fateful trip. <laughs> I almost expected a Gilligan and a Skipper, but <laughs> but they would have been thrown out also, so it's okay. And, of course, we got Mr. Mike Gordon here, too. Howdy. You ready, sir? Oh, yeah. I am ready and uh, ready and on board. On board the shuttle. That is awesome. It's a good thing to be able to, you know, take a nice leisurely, you know, tour. And, you know, always something goes wrong. No matter what, you know, there's always something bound to be happening. And, you know, this one is interesting. And we'll talk all about it because I got some ideas what would be pretty cool to see future versions of this and such. It should be fun. But, you know, we also want to hear from you guys at home. So please write us at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. Tell us your thoughts on this. We would love to hear from you. And please, we don't have a call-in number anymore. So if you want to, you know, send an MP3 version of, you know, any comments or anything, we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Of course, you know, you could find us up on social media. We all participate in the Earth Station Who Facebook page. And of course, we also participate in the ESO Network Facebook group. Uh, but we're just not on Facebook. We also have a Twitter account where we post some Doctor Who news and some stories and just, you know, kind of cool stuff. But also now we can also all be found on an official feed, you know, on any of your media players as the ESO network. You can find all our shows up there. It's pretty darn awesome. All you have to do is search for the ESO network and you can have on-demand ESO shows right at your fingertips. So you don't have to go to each individual, you know, feed and everything to do it up on the things when you subscribe to them. But of course, if you don't want to do that, 
You could subscribe to us up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. We're even up on Spotify, and we're working on getting a, up on Alexa. So all you have to do is say, hey, Alexa, play Earth Station Who, and we will be there soon. So that's pretty cool. So, of course, before we get started, let's also give a special shout out to all our patrons. I want to just thank you for everything and for these folks who have been supporting us over the last few months. All we have to say is thank you, thank you, thank you. We do appreciate it, especially, you know, there's so many people you can give money to nowadays through patrons, through PayPal, through, you know, all these different, you know, crowdfunding sites and everything. We so appreciate everyone supporting the ESO network and you can too for as little as 25 cents a week. It's not too shabby. That's one whole dollar a month. And that's not, you know, a dollar per episode like some podcasts do. We just do it per month. So it's just a dollar a month. That's not too bad. And we have four different levels. So if depending on how much you want to support us, we would appreciate it. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. All right, let's dive into the show with both feet and still no new news on when Doctor Who is coming back, of course. So are you guys shocked? I'm not. I am completely shocked and surprised. I may never get over it. Oh, well, I kind of figured that, Mary. You know, it's not like we're just sitting around talking about (laughs) old podcasts or anything. Don't they know we need to talk about new Who? See, where are you? BBC has forgotten us fans. That's right. They've left us in the dust. But there are other things happening to help take up the time other than us talking to you guys at home. Yeah, we did get a new Doctor Who release. What did we get? We got uh, um, a recreation of Mission to the Unknown that was released on October 9th. Uh, is actually an anniversary of when it was released originally in 1965. Uh, this is a recreation that was done by um, the University of Central Lancaster, Lancashire, I think. Lancashire. Right. Lancashire, thank you. Um, and uh, they released it to YouTube with, it I, looks like they released it, I mean, it's on the official Doctor Who um uh, YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. So it must be, you know, sort of an official release. Um, but yeah, these uh, students, I guess, I, I guess they got credit for it. I don't know the details of it, but they, um, uh, they, they decided to recreate uh, this uh, single episode. It's only, um, it's a standalone episode. That's only about, uh, it's less than half an hour. It's like 25, 26 minutes. Um, it, uh, it actually has in the storyline, it has a complete absence of the regular cast. So there's no uh, doctor in it. Uh, the, an audio recording of the original episode exists, but no footage actually survives. So I guess they only were able to recreate it based on images that uh, have been around, you know, since then. So, um, yeah, it should be really interesting. It's got the Daleks in it. So, um, you know, there's that. Um, and Nicholas Briggs is doing the voice. And, of course, it was written in by Terry. Because uh, <laughs> the Daleks are in it. But, of uh, yeah, so anyway, so I think, um, yeah, I know that uh, none of us have got a chance to watch it yet. But uh, I would imagine that uh, next week or in our next episode, we'll do a mini review of this mini episode. 
Well, you know, I think it's a great idea. I think we should all watch it for next time and we could all talk about it in the opening of next next episode because hell i don't think we'll have any doctor who news by then (laughs) (laughs) probably not um so yeah it's like i said about 26 minutes there is a uh an additional 10 minute uh making of uh that uh is also on the uh doctor who official youtube channel so uh that follows it so i'll probably be watching that because i'm curious as to uh how this came about but um uh, you know, like with most things with YouTube, I, I strongly suggest not looking or not taking seriously any of the comments that are uh, posted below. Although uh, the first one that I see does did make me laugh because it says, must have taken ages to paint everything black and white. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, then. Right. <laughs> So, wow. uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a cool idea. Like, oh, I uh, think it's it's great. That's an it, awesome idea. <laughs> it also it reminds me a bit of when that high school up in New Jersey did Alien. Okay. Yeah, I was not familiar with that. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, dude, you need to look this oh, up. Yeah, they did a good job. They did an amazing job. They did as their school play. They did Alien. Oh wow! The whole movie. <laughs> okay. Literally. And it was truly amazing. And from, you know, the videos they showed, Sigourney Weaver even came out to watch it. That's how. Oh, wow. And everything. And it's just, it was just a high school. Just think about it. And they showed the costumes and you could look it up on YouTube. It's really worth it, folks. Wow. I guess guess, uh, high schools and students will do anything to get out of doing, um, uh, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Again, <laughs> I either don't the, blame them for that. <laughs> e- either that or West Side Story for the musical. <laughs> West Side Story, that's ambitious. We didn't have that kind of budget. Man, we got to do like maybe you get to do Godspell. We also did Annie Get Your Gun. Oh, oh God! Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're we're totally not going to happen to that one. Uh, other Doctor Who news: Are any of you guys reading the Doctor Who comics anymore? I am. Because I've heard there's going to be a crossover between Dr. 13 and Dr. 10. Dr. 10. Yep. I've, uh, I haven't read the second trade of Jody's, uh, of the, of what Titan's doing with the Jody's run. So, but I, I think I reviewed the first one on this show and, uh, I was impressed. The art was good. Uh, the stories were good in some ways. They were, uh, almost better than some of the episodes we got just because they were, um, uh, let's just say that uh, they had a, a, a more um, interesting things happening with some of the other characters on the show. Uh, that's, that's a dig at Graham for those people <laughs> who are listening in case they're just waiting. They're just waiting. Like how many minutes in are <laughs> this? ES- how long will it take? Not long. <laughs> exactly. That's the new, that's the new ESW drinking game. <laughs> Every time they mention Graham's name, take a drink. <laughs> So, uh, but, uh, no, I thought it was pretty good actually. And, uh, so I, 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 like I said, I have the, um, second, uh, trade, but I haven't read that yet. So I'm, and I, overall, I think the Titan books have been pretty good. Um, uh, the, certainly the fourth doctor one was great. The third doctor one was amazing. Um, I haven't read all of them. Uh, I haven't, I wasn't able to keep up with the 10, 11 or 12th doctor ones. Cause they just came out so much at the same time. 
So it's been kind of difficult to keep up with them. The only thing about the um, 13th Doctor ones that they're doing that kind of annoys me is that up until this point, after they came out with the single issues, they would release them as hardcovers. And then they would release them as trades. Well, with the 13th Doctor, they're just going right to trades. So I've got like this nice collection of all these hardcovers. And then for the 13th Doctor, it's just trades. So. Oh. So there's That's no hardcover collections of uh, of the 13th that I could find. So uh, they might be doing something in different in Britain, but certainly here in the United States, um, we're just getting we're just getting uh, the uh, trade issues. But it, like I said, it's okay, it's fine, it's uh, good stuff. So I, I definitely recommend it. I think the quality is pretty good overall. Um, for those people who are really itching for 13 Doctor stories, I, I think that's a it's not a bad way to uh, get your fix. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Some of the past crossovers they've done have been kind of weak, but you know, I'm always hoping for bigger and better for them. So we'll wait and see. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes they, they get uh, a problem because they feel like they have to do too much. One thing I like about this crossover, it's just two doctors, right? It's not like three, five, you know, 13. It's just, it's just the two of them. So um it should be interesting and graham of course um <laughs> so <laughs> so it's just the two of them yeah, and and not. and actually they're they're just cameos the doctors are just cameos it's really just a graham adventure <laughs> <laughs> well you know i no no I, mike you're gonna love it it's graham and rose tyler <laughs> all right that's our show tonight folks i'm sorry, I hope yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry that was the end of you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be well. Live long and prosper. Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, like, how to pick a book that Michael never read. It's a great Graham and Rose Tyler adventure. Nope. With nope. special appearance from Mel. Oh, God. Well, just, just remember the last time, you know, on official, official canon on the... Uh, TV episodes, what happened when we got two doctors in an episode together? Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, you had uh, the second doctor eating people and such, you know. Yes, that, yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. So we won't go into that one. We'll try. To I, I must that. admit, I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I, I can't recall who's writing them. So, or doing the art for this one. I don't know if it's the same person who's been doing uh, the, the the 13th Doctor story. So I don't know the creative team, but uh, right. I'm going to give it a shot. Of course. You'll have to let us know how it is. Cool. I'll do so. Excellent. I did hear that, you know, they do have Doctor Who Fest coming up in the UK uh, the last week in October. And I've heard rumors going around that they are going to be announcing a new Doctor Who restoration, all animated. That's um, awesome. Like, like they're doing with the Macro Terror and also the Faceless Ones. So a, a lot of people are speculating, is it going to be like Marco Polo possibly, or even um, Evil of the Daleks, which introduced um, our favorite shrieking second Doctor companion. Victoria. So it would be very interesting to see what happens. And so probably by the next time we talk to you guys, we'll have some news of this, hopefully, you know, what's to come possibly. So we'll have to wait and see. 
Um, speaking of conventions, I think we've mentioned uh, it's either on the last show or the show before we were talking about conventions and and appearances by the actors and in particular Chris Eggleston. Um, and I'm not sure what convention it was at, but it was at a recent convention. I saw that someone had posted some clips of him being interviewed at a panel. Um, and, uh, first of all, he was very charming. Um, uh, he was very charming, very, uh, tongue in cheek about, uh, just, you know, about things. I mean, obviously he's talking up there talking about uh, his time on Dr. Who, um, he doesn't go into specific details about why he left. Uh, but he does say that, uh, it was a, a different creative vision that he had than, um, and he's, and he mentioned politics of stuff that was going on. So, uh, that's all he, that's all the details he would say. But, um, he did say a couple of other things that I found interesting. He did say that he did get the script for the 50th anniversary with him in it. Uh, he was asked to do it and he felt personally that he didn't have anything to add to the 50th anniversary. Um, he thought that, um, because at that point the script wasn't as developed as it was, uh, certainly later on when it became the war doctor. So he didn't really see that it was really adding to his time as the doctor or anything like that. So, uh, he opted out. Um, he, he said later on, he did see the script for the, the one with William Hurt. And, and first of all, he said he, um, he has great admiration for William Hurt, William Hurt as an actor. He thinks he's, he's a hero of his, actually. Um, and he says, you know, what Stephen was able to do creating the War Doctor um, was probably, like, was better than anything that Christopher Eggleston could have brought to the role if he had returned. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. And then he also promised that he would be back as the doctor uh, for the hundredth anniversary. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so he promised. We're all looking forward to it. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so we have that to look forward to, but um, you know, he was in good spirits. And like I said, he wasn't just somebody who was griping up there. Like I think his reputation is that, you know, he's just a fuddy-duddy and doesn't really care about Doctor Who fans or Doctor Who in general, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, at least the the clip that I saw of him, I mean, you know, he's a good actor, so who knows? But um, the clip that I saw of him, he seemed like he was very much, that was very much not the case. He seems like he really appreciates his time as Doctor Who, and he really appreciates the the fans that uh, that appreciate him as, as Doctor Who, his, his time at Doc, as Doctor Who. Oh yeah, and if Chris ever wants to come on the show and talk about his time as the Doctor, we would be glad to. Sure, yeah, we'd be glad to have him up here, and we props not to piss him off too much, you know. <laughs> I I do think that you know, of course, this opens the door for more convention experiences. As, as so, you'll see him at the do the convention circuit, and then uh, you know, I would not be at all surprised if if you know within a year or so. We there's an announcement from Big Finish, possibly, and I will come out and say it. It'd be great to see more stories with him and Rose. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, wow, that is a bold statement. I thought you were going to say more state, more stories with him, maybe before he met Rose. 
Yes. Well, I would like that too, truthfully. <laughs> but, well, if you remember that first episode that he that they did, the episode Rose, they showed pictures of him, you know, at the Titanic and, mm-hmm. you know, back in, you know, at Kennedy's assassination and, you know, all these different, you know, places. I would love to see stories with him like that. And, you know, I think it would be pretty awesome to see. But, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing further tales of the doctor. Hell, I'll even go out on a limb and I'll say the doctor, Rose, and Jack would be pretty amazing. Well, I would imagine that at some point we'll get uh, a a ninth doctor and River Song story. Oh, (laughs) I'm sure they're already planning (laughs) it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I mean, who knows, but it looks like, you know, it looks like the time is now that, uh, you know, we were all thinking would never happen, which is that, uh, he's, he's, he's back in the fold, so to speak. He is back in the doctor who family, you know, as long as it suits him. Well, right. yes, absolutely. Right. But, you know, you could say that about almost all of them. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know. Of course, of course. I mean, no. it took it took him a lot less long, a lot uh, less time than it did Tom. True. That's true. Yeah, you got a good point there. Good point. I'm almost guaranteeing, and but I'm not going to put my money on it yet. But I'm, sh- I almost think we're going to see him at Dragon Con this year. It's possible. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I certainly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, it, look, he's been, like I said, he's been doing the convention circuit. It just makes sense uh, that he would hit Dragon Con at some point. Uh, but, um, you know, then again, you know, he, he's one of those guys that's unpredictable. Like tomorrow he could just, it seems like he could just be upset with everybody and just not, just cancel everything and just like go back into his little Eccleston cave. Mm-hmm. It makes me like think, you know, all right. Talk about mood swings. <laughs> There's Eccleston right. <laughs> if you look it up in the dictionary, his picture is right next to it. <laughs> so, yeah, I totally understand that. So, I don't think we really have anything else Doctor Who news wise to talk about after that. But you know, we'll t- take a break now, and we'll come back and talk all about midnight. See you in a sec. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. And you be careful. Taking a big space truck with a bunch of strangers across a diamond planet called Midnight? What could possibly go wrong? It's moving. Shut the door! There is no it. (gasps) Just tell me what the hell it is! Down! We have something to get out of this, then you need me! Oh, you're so special. I'm sorry they've been reduced to dust. (laughs) Throw him out! Come on! Just do it! Throw him out! Two people are dead! Don't make it a third! It's coming for me! It's coming for me! 
Hey everyone, welcome back. Let's go back now 11 years to the 14th of June, 2008. 11 years already. Can you believe that? Wow. It's, we're going to talk all about Midnight and this is series four and this is a companion light actually story. And it mostly was a doctor story, almost you could say in like a one set play in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I could almost see this recreated that way. When I was mentioning earlier, some of the ways for the future with this, I could actually see this be a, would be a great play actually, either at cons or high schools, like we were talking about. It was really well done. It's, you know, basically everyone trying to figure out who it is, who's the alien and who's the, who's good, who's bad. And, people's reaction in a very stressful situation and ready to do some pretty unscrupulous things. And I, I thought it was really well done. It doesn't say a lot of nice things about human nature. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) No, No, not at all. (laughs) Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, Yeah, it is. It, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously this is a, a, you know, what I think uh, is uh, termed in the States as a bottle show, right? A bottle episode, because, you know, when you've got a show, especially one like Doctor Who that um, use, uses a lot of special effects, the budget is usually quite large. There'll be an episode that just takes place on a ship or with the crew or very, very, very low budget. And this is, this is as low budget as you can get. I mean, even... There's not even makeup on the monster. Like, there's just like, <laughs> I mean, this is this is uh, pretty cheap. This might be the, this might be the only episode. This first of all, this might be the cheapest episode of New Who that's ever been made, and it might be even under the budget of some of the classic era Doctor Who's. Um, that's how that's how cheap it probably was. Oh yeah, you didn't even need any rubber monster costumes or anything for this. One. Not at all. I mean that. There's some light effects, obviously, of the planet and of the ship and all that. But I don't know if we ever see the outside of it, really. You just kind of see a flash of light. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you do see the crystal. You see the crystal, crystal mountains and stuff yeah, like the that? mountains. Yeah. Briefly. But, but I mean, I, it looks like a map painting. But, that but I, ha- I have to give credit. I mean, it's like, it reminds me a lot of, there's a, a Hitchcock movie that's based on a play called Lifeboat. Um, that involves uh, these, um, you know, basically these uh, survivors of a ship that's been torpedoed by uh, Nazis. And um, one of, they think one of the survivors is, is actually a Nazi spy um, uh, that was on, you know, that, that, so they, they sort of turn and they're trying to figure out who that guy is. And it really feels a lot like that. Um, but it all takes place in a very tight space which I got to give Russell T a lot of credit. There's a lot of tension in this episode. Um, some scary moments even. And, you know, he's really working. He's doing the most with what little he has to work with. And it just really is one of the best episodes I think of this season. Yeah. It's also, it's amazing how creepy just repeating something. Yeah. Comes. Yeah. And not, and, and not, yeah, not just repeating it, but then when she finally takes over, and mm-hmm. he starts repeating her, uh, it's really disturbing. That's, that's creepy. Yeah. It's so well done. I have to give credit to the, the uh, direction by Alice Troughton. 
Um, you know, so it's interesting uh, that there are two people uh, associate. There are people. There are two people with the last name Troughton that have something to do with this episode. One of them is the director, Alice Troughton. Now right. she is not related to Patrick at all. No, but uh, David is. But uh, the the uh, yeah the actor that played um, the professor David right. is actually um, his uh, son, right? Yep. Yeah. He, he played Professor Hobbs. Yeah. And it was, it's funny how much he sounds like his dad too. Yeah. If you know it, I think, um, yes. But if you don't know it, it's not like the Sean Pertwee thing. You're not like going, Oh my God, he looks just like, like it's not. Yeah. It's not, no, at it's all. not that close. Yeah. It's not like, no. not like if you put a black wig on him, he would look just like his dad. <laughs> no, yeah. not, not really. No. So, uh, but it's kind of cool that he's in there. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that's awesome. I think it's well cast. Uh, I particularly love the um, the casting of Leslie Sharp. Um, she is, yeah, creepy. She, creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. She nails the creepiness. Yeah. Oh, when she was repeating everything and, and slowly. She and, she and David Tennant together. Oh, the chemistry between the two of them yes. was creepy. They're oh. totally in sync. It's oh, yeah. Amazing. They must have rehearsed that for, for a while. But, yeah, it's – and I also like that this this episode plays on, on something you don't see often, which is that the doctor is not accepted as the smartest one in the room. Mm. What, what that leads to. I mean, they're doubting him almost from the beginning. And he well, cause the, exactly, because the doctor's in there – when he's, you know, doing his typical, I know what's going on. I can help you guys. But they are not having it. (laughs) No, not at all. Usually they're just like, okay, help us. And this time they're like, no, we're going to throw you out too. Right. Exactly. And they were so, they were so ready to turn against each other in this, you know, and it was, it was, it showed how bad humanity can be. Right. What happens when panic takes over and you allow panic to rule your actions? And mm-hmm. fear, yeah. It really it strikes to that. Um, I think there's a Twilight Zone episode that's kind of like that too, about fear and, and the power of it and how you know a whole community can just get uh, so revved up in fear that they don't think straight. Um, that mob mentality, which you kind of see a little bit of here. Um, yeah, really well acted, really well done. The only thing that kind of... I don't want to say bothered me, but kind of just took me out of it a little bit is that the, the, the humans are too close to acting like they would in this century. Like, I know that's kind of the point of it, but I mean, the family, the, the, you know, the, the, the um, father, uh, mother and son or whatever, whatever the relationship, it doesn't seem like he's, it doesn't seem like he's his biological father. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but in any case, I mean, you know, he's wearing a polo shirt and and khakis or whatever. And it's just like, really? Like, isn't this yeah, like far very, in the future? Very 20th century, 21st yeah, century. Yeah. Like, like she's got a book. Um, the, the kid Jethro has a, uh, 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 Jethro has um, um, uh, earbuds in. And I'm like, really? Earbuds? Like, like, well, like we don't even have. We don't even have uh, uh, cabled earbuds now that people are wearing. You know, like, like, well, it, 
It was 10 years ago, sir. Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't project it at all like what it no. could be. You the, know? Way the, mean, pe- no. the way the people were dressed, the way, you know, it was the like, attitudes even. Exactly. Well, the one thing that really got me, you know, because the doctor said some, a couple of times, you know, I'm here, uh, you know, I'm better than humans or you humans are this way. These people are on an alien planet. Wouldn't they expect that they've met humanoid aliens at this point? And everything, yeah. and they were ready to. Oh, what is he? Why is he called saying he's better than human? Are you not human? And it was just like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That just that it, did, it, that didn't make sense. Yeah, it's it's convenient that everybody on there is human. Yeah, well, yeah, he's using that as a device. Sure, but, sure, but sure. I let him get away with it because it's such a, such a yes study of human nature. I mean, really. It, the characters on there are stereotypes, but RTD is really smart about it. He gets away with it because it actually serves the story. The doctor wants to get to know them as people. He's trying to do that in the beginning, but out of fear and insecurity, they, they choose to behave like caricatures. Mm. They choose to be stereotypes. Yeah, that's true. And it's interesting that I know I'm sure RTD did this on purpose. The, the, the woman who's, who at the end, who, who finally realizes what's going on and says, no, she's stealing the doctor's voice. Well, this is the most marginalized of the group as we would see it today. She's the black woman who figures out what's happening because she knows exactly what it's like to have your voice taken from you and not be listened to. That's interesting. I didn't make that connection. To me, I was just so, because there's another black woman on there too, um, the doctor's yeah, assistant, the the hostess uh, and the right. assistant, right, right. The, the, host, the assistant who notices, but, right. And they're both of them the ones that are like the smartest too, really. The ones that kind of um, go against that, which is interesting. But I think I, you know, for me, I I, I just the, I thought it was kind of interesting the dichotomy because the hostess is the one that seems like at the beginning is the least caring of all of them. Well, exactly. And the least she, interested. She's only interested. Sorry, she's already interested in in saving herself. Like she's just like, like I just, you know, I just want to get through this. Uh, it's all right, you know. Don't panic. She just doesn't. As far as customer service goes, you know, she just seems like the least receptive of anybody to great customer service, and yet she provides the ultimate customer service at the end when she sacrifices her life for everybody on board. Yeah. I mean, she's no, very, she does. Very jaded, <laughs> really. <laughs> like this is just my job. Everybody. I'm yeah, just- but she was also one of the first to throw the doctor out too, to not believe what the doctor was saying. That's true. And, yeah, that's true. And so, no, she wasn't uh, above or beyond anything that anyone was saying. And she was just as bad as all the other humans on the ship until she, at the very end, when the you know the alien had fully taken over uh, the woman, and it was just like, you know, she was the doctor was then she could see that the doctor was being killed. He it was sucking his life force by repeating the the words and everything like that. And she was getting stronger and stronger. And it was very obvious what was going on that, you know, the doctor was the victim there. And the others were like, throw him out. You know, he's the one, you know, it's in him now. And, you know, the alien was like pushing them to do it. But she said, no, wait a minute. She saw right through that. I don't know what, 
I don't, it was just a gradual shift with her and she was seeing what was going on. It was just crazy. And she made the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. But I think that's one of the reasons why this episode is so effective is because nobody's all good or all bad. They're going back and forth the whole time. Well, the doctors, the doctors all good, you know, (laughs) Oh yes. Are are worse than yes. He's the same. So, and unless we mentioned Graham, he's the only one always about the, but, Yeah, they're. I mean, they're going back and forth the whole time, which is great because that—that's the way. That's what humans are. I mean, there, there's a lot of gray area there, and it, it's. But it doesn't take away from her heroics in the end. I mean, she makes the heroic decision in the end to save everybody. Yeah, she does. And yeah, but at the beginning of it, you know, if you were to ask, or if you were to like guess, okay, one of these crew members is going to sacrifice themselves for everybody else. Who would it be? And the hostess would be very, like, nobody would, that would not be a top pick at all. No, not at all. No, I, but I mean, that's often the way, that's often the person who's the hero. It's not not necessarily the one that you expect, expect to be. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really interesting the way that, and to your point, Mary, I mean, Russell knows exactly what he's doing when he writes, who's doing what in this episode. He is very familiar with, uh, um, like, you know, sort of characteristics of code, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and he doesn't get to flex those muscles a lot in Dr. Who every once in a while he does. But in this one, I think he's really on top of it. He no. is. Yeah. I like the way he also, he also exploits the fear of the unknown. I mean, we don't need to see the monster. It's better that we don't see the monster. No, it, that's the greatest fear. Exactly. You know, like when the uh, crewman was in the front, hey, what, as the thing was closing, hey, wait a minute, what's that shadow? It's moving closer, you know. And it had you, you know, guessing what was going on there. But it was just like, but you don't see it. You just see it from his point of view. So you never see what it is. If it's an energy being that just went into the woman or what, you don't know. And you don't even know if it was killed when it got put out into the surface again. Yeah, we never really find out what happens. Yeah, you don't even know really how it got in. Right. Because there's no opening for it to have gotten in. So somehow it did. Um, Yeah, there's there's a lot. Like if you're trying to analyze, you know, the specifics of of the monster in this, you're you've missed the point because that's not really what this is about. But it's just spooky enough that um, it works. You know. uh, Mary, when you said that, you know, it's a, it's more effective since if we don't see the monster, usually in Doctor Who, especially in classic Doctor Who, that's true because the makeup is usually so bad, it would have been better. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but I in mean, this it case, a rubber suit that was reading the words, and <laughs> quite as effective. <laughs> but in this case, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like when, when folks have that limit, like, you know, that the famous case of, uh, Spielberg making Jaws about how he had, originally planned for Bruce the shark to be in like a lot more of the movie, but because the, 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 the effects broke down, the shark broke down, et cetera, et cetera. He had to dial back on that instead because of the suspense of it all, you know, it ended up being one of the best movies ever made. So, and I think you kind of get a little, you see that here too. It's like, if we had seen the monster, even if we had had, you know, just a little bit of makeup on the woman, to, to differentiate her, it still would have thrown us off. I think it was better that, you know, we didn't see anything like that here. 
No, that's actually a great way to put it because it made it more psychological in a lot of ways. You know, it was truly, you know, you kept you, the tension grew and grew and grew all the way through. And it almost was, and it was ready to pop and they did it really well. It's the claustrophobic setting too. I mean, that, that really helps that they're all in this very small space and, and they cannot escape. They cannot go outside. Mm-hmm. So there, that just really heightens the tension. They can't even open a window. No. Yeah, no. They, they can't see outside at all. Um, yeah. It, it's really effective. Um, you know, we mentioned some of the other actors and characters. Uh, I guess we have to mention, um, you guys know where uh, the kid that played Jethro was from, right? Uh, Merlin. Yeah, he he, uh, he played Merlin for a, quite a long time. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was on that show for, I don't know how long that show it went. It's like... It, it went on quite a while. Yeah, it did. It did. So... No, it was it was interesting, and you know, a few of the other people I've seen in bit parts on other shows. So you know, it was it wasn't like, oh wait, what's this person going to do? Are they going to have their big acting moment? It was all assembled cast and everything. No one stood out more than any of the others, which was really nice. It was a really good way to do it. You had you know, and I've. I felt bad for the student, you know, when she guessed what was really going on and the professor was so panicked and about it and everything, he like totally lashed out at her. Oh, you're just average. You you weren't anything special. It's like, whoa, dude, that was kind of harsh. Yeah, well, that was, I mean, it's interesting. I actually haven't watched this episode I, I watched it more than once, but not a lot because it makes me very uncomfortable to watch it. Even though I think it's one of the best episodes that RTD ever did, it is it is not an easy watch because it's hard watching these people fall apart and turn against each other. But but this time I was thinking that may, maybe their tensions were heightened even more because the monster was manipulating them they weren't just sitting there it wasn't just them sitting there all alone without anything else happening the monster was deliberately preying on their insecurities and so that made them even more likely to lash out Mm -hmm. yeah at one point it suggested that the monster is making them sort of a little bit more at least agitated Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's true in 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 the sense that the it's actively doing that, but certainly uh, it's doing that anyway. Like, it's, like, it's at least manipulating the situation. Yes, yeah, I think it recognizes the situation is manipulating them and taking advantage of them. Um, I find it interesting as a doctor episode. Um, obviously, it's a companion light. Uh, Donna shows up at the beginning and end, so there's not really. We do get a we get a little cameo by Rose, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> so for those people who are just watching this like with no context of anything else, they're like, "What the?" Yeah. So, but yeah, this is this is right before the big you know reveal that Rose is back in some ways, and that big uh, I don't know is it three episodes arc that she goes on after this, right? Yes. Um, but uh. But for the most part, yes, it is uh, Dr. Light. It's it's really one of the few times where, you know, David's on his own for uh, an entire episode. And obviously, you know, 
he can he can handle it. I mean, David's really great. But what I found was interesting was a couple things. One is that he really is uh, dependent upon a companion or somebody outside of himself to save him in this situation and in most situations. Again, it's one of those, like, again, like the doctor should never travel alone because, like, because of things like this. Or just another instance where if you're close to the doctor, you're going to die. Those kind of things. And also, there's obviously David's being, you know, the 10th doctor is only he can. But I I actually put, like, in my mind and in my imagination, I put some of the other doctors in this episode as well. And I think everything that he would have done, everything that 10 would have done, everybody else would have done as well. Um, I think you could put any doctor in this same situation and it would have been, it would have worked out exactly the same. It's sort of a doctor episode that doesn't depend on it being just the 10th doctor. Yeah. It's very, it's just, this could have been any, yeah, this is just a doctor. Yeah, it's interesting to think about how it might have changed if Donna had been there. Oh, right. He had been championing him. <laughs> she would oh, yeah. Told, yeah, she would have told everybody to sit down and shut up. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got to listen to this man. And everyone will be, who are you to talk to us this way? That, yeah, this doesn't work if Donna's there at all. Oh, no. Like it, it, It's completely it, different. It would just be one big shouting match. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Unless Dawn is the one that's possessed first. Oh, of course. Well, there you go. And then it then it would, uh, yeah, that would be. Then it may have played out similarly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but it's really good. I mean, it's yeah, it's one of the best ones, certainly of this season, and probably one of the best ones of New Who and of the franchise. Well, it's interesting because I remember watching it the first time. And I was like, eh, it's okay. And I was a little hesitant from watching this one again. And I'm trying to remember why I didn't like it. I, for the life of me, I can't. It, it's not. Well, it's very jarring because it is very different from from what we have seen before, and especially back then, <laughs> when when we didn't have as much new who as we have now. And especially new who like this is a very this is not how the kind of episode that we usually get from RTD. No, and, very true. But I mean, it's it's almost more Stephen Moffat like than it is RTD. But um, yeah, so I think that might have something to do with it. Um, also, you know, as good as it is, as intense as it is, it's not really that, you know, dare I say sexy. It's not like, it doesn't have like a lot of cool effects or visuals or like cool doctor, like, you know, legacy moments. Um, it's just a one shot that isolated it's, you know, as isolated as they are, uh, in the shuttle, this episode is as isolated as you get like from the rest of this season and the, and the franchise really. I mean, it could have been, like I said, it could have been any doctor in this situation. It could have been done at any time. Like the, and, and it doesn't have to be in the future. They could have arranged it so that, I mean, the, the way the people are acting, it could have been very much in the present, could have been in the past. It, you know, it's just one of those things where it's much like, you know, and, and it's a, it's a bottle episode. And usually those are not known for being like, ones that people want to watch over and over again. 
because they you know, because they're just not that you know they're not they're not expensively produced so you've got your you know you've got it it's like lifeboat like i mentioned or like 12 angry men it's got that kind of thing to it well if you think about it also think about where this episode stood in that season you're coming right after silence in the library and the introduction of river song yep and then you have right after this you have turn left and then you have the two-part Dalek story, you know, so you're, you know, in the middle of some amazing Doctor Who right there. Some yeah, truly amazing. I love Donna too. This is one of my favorite. Well, this is my favorite RTD season. I yep. just, there's some really good stuff here. No, there's truly some great stuff here. And I would recommend this to other folks. Any final thoughts you guys want to say right before we rate it? It's also interesting to note that the hostess is the only character whose name we do not know. True. And, and she's that, the one who gives her life. That makes that, uh, that makes that, that scene at the end when he says, does anybody know her name? And nobody does. I mean, the, the woman that saved their lives. And they have no idea who she was. They have no idea yeah. who she was. Nope. Exactly. And it's it was crazy and you know sometimes the person you least expect to do it saves the day so oh god the one little thing i got to mention when the they asked the doctor's name and he went john smith and they were all like are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) john smith come on somebody calls him on it exactly (laughs) that was just that was just awesome also, yeah, it's amazing. Is, the psychic paper didn't work in that scenario. <laughs> no. And this, this is an episode that RTD wrote in a weekend. He wrote it as a fill-in because they decided not to use another episode that was going to go here. And I'm like, wow, I am impressed, Russell. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed. All right, let's rate one out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Mr. Mike, you get to go first this time. Uh, I'm going to give this, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to give this a solid four and a half. Um, you know, just, it, it loses half a point just because, you know, it's not integral to the franchise. You don't have to see this, uh, in order to be, you know, up on all things Doctor Who, but watching it, you will be, you know, you will be moved. Um, it's the, it's really a, a testament to the power of the writing, the directing, the acting, uh, everything else that Doctor Who is is you know known for, I think you know it, it comes alive in this, um, and it's a really really great ex- um, exhibition exhibition of all of that. So uh, so yeah, I would give it a four and a half, and, and you know I would definitely I would have no problem of of introducing this to someone who'd never watched Doctor Who. Um, it's not a great introduction as to who he is as a character, no, um, but. You know, I think it 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 still is a standalone that people could act. Uh, it could be accessible. Yep, totally understand. All right, Mary, I'm going to give it a five, and I don't often do that, but this this is one of those episodes that just really moved me, and I think it's probably the best one that RTD wrote, in my opinion. It's just it's brilliant, and uh, the acting is brilliant. The direction is brilliant. Um, even the claustrophobic set works. Um, 
and I it, it's just it's an amazing uh, examination of human nature and both the good and the bad and um it's it's unflinching and showing us the 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 badness but but also the goodness and i i appreciate rtd for that it's masterful storytelling and they and it says something about us as humans that it's timeless because you know we watched this what 10 years ago or so and it was like ooh that could really happen and we watch it nowadays and we're like oh yeah that could really In some ways, it's more than ever. That's like the bus ride I took home. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this one also a four and a half. There was a lot I liked about it, but I don't think it was perfect. I like it so much more this time. And like I had mentioned a few minutes ago, there was so much about this that is just awesome and the story the set and you know high schools cons let's do this as a play i think this would work really well especially when the person walked onto the set as the 10th doctor could you imagine the cheers (laughs) (laughs) so i think that would be a lot of fun and you know i definitely would love to hear from you guys at home what did you guys think you know please write us earth station who at esonetwork.com. All right, kids, that's going to wrap up the episode for this week. And we are going to be back in two weeks. We're going back to the seventh doctor era folks. And we are looking at the classic Delta and the Bannerman. I, I had to really hold that into my mouth. <laughs> you know. Well, this is this is a Mel with the Doctor story. It's not, it's, it's not even it's not even Ace. So I think it's going to be a blast for us. I think I'm going to be sick next week. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what everyone's opinions are, and we definitely would love to. You know, like we keep on saying, please write us and you know such we got a lot coming up over the next few months before doctor who comes back whenever that is and we're already starting to actually get our 2020 schedule lined up so we've got a lot going on so please you know look for us tell your friends about us you know subscribe and of course you know find us wherever you know, find podcasts are found and rate us and, you know, leave feedback. We'd love hearing from what you guys think of the show. You know, we've working on, you know, always bettering the show. And if you guys don't tell us, we don't know. So that's the best way we can do it. So until next time for, let's say thanks to Mary. Thank you. This was a great episode to talk about. I'm really glad we did it. Anything you're going to promote? Uh, you can find me at maryogle.com or on Etsy as eVision Arts. Excellent. And Mr. Mike? As always, it's my pleasure. So that is it for this episode, and we will see you all next time here on Earth Station Who. Peace. And we are done. Yay. Woo-hoo. Now let's go for a tour. <laughs> a three-hour tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't even say anything about Gilligan and Skipper in this now. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip That started from this tropic point aboard this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailor man, skipper brave and sure Five passengers said
You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.